Life's a journey, or more correctly, a series of journeys, meaningful journeys of exponential growth, as we'll see from the fact that the parasha that speaks about journeys in the desert speaks about the journeys, not the stations where we stopped along the way of those journeys. A lesson for life. The Pasuk that says these are the journeys the Jewish people took, 42 journeys through the desert, which those words, is the introduction to how the Torah is going to define and describe all of those journeys. There's a well-known question, logical question. When you consider that the Pasuk actually mentions the, tw- the 42 stations where they stopped during the course of their journey, that would imply that the Torah is not really focused on the travel between locations, would actually seem that the Torah is more focused on the places where they stopped journeying. If that's the case, then the Pasuk should have said, not these are the travels of the Jewish people. Rather, it would have been more logical to say, these are the places where the Jewish people stopped. These are the places, as they are going to be listed, where the Jewish people paused and rested from their itinerant travels. Plus, Yeserim Izoi, the vast majority of the 40 years that the Jewish people spent in the desert, they were not actually moving and traveling from place to place. They were primarily, for 40 years, mostly in places for periods of time, stopped. And with that in mind, that only strengthens our question, then logically, the Torah, in describing the journey through 40 years in the desert, should have emphasized the fact that there were many, many stops. And tell us what those stops are, and, as it does, and highlight that it's all about the stops. Okay, so perhaps there's a way to answer it based on something Rashi already told us in Parashas Pekudeh. Maybe we could look at what Rashi explained previously when the expression was in the Pasuk, Al this is how the Jews were in all of their travels, which is Besef Pashas Pirish Rashi, right? There Rashi tells us, even the places where they stopped, Masa is also called a journey. And he also references our Pasha, which is helpful, Rashi argues that because wherever they stopped, they then after that returned back into a journeying phase and traveled to the next place. Therefore, even the places they stopped are considered Masois, part of the journey. In others, Rashi is telling us that the word Masay includes both the act of traveling and the act of stopping and camping. Great. So maybe that's the answer. The only problem is that this itself needs to be explained. The argument that where the Jewish people stopped and camped is also described as a journey, because that would be the launch pad for their next journey, that also needs to be explained. If anything, the logic should have been the exact opposite. Isn't the goal of a journey to reach your destination so that you can camp? Which concludes the Vayusu, the journey that was previously described. Isn't the goal of a journey to reach a destination? 
So then really, logically, the word should have included the journey because the journey gets you there. Instead of saying the word journey includes the destination, which actually is the purpose of the journey. So why do we say when actually we're talking about places where they stopped and camped? And lastly, besides the general question around how you use the word masa to include places where you camped, let's look at what the Torah is actually telling us Let's go with the argument that Rashi put forward that the word masa journey includes also the camping at the destination. In our case, we still need to explain it because Look at the words that the Pasuk or the Psukim are going to teach us. It's going to be about places where they camped. Then why, and it doesn't make sense that we should have used the word Masse to describe this process, which obviously Masse or Masse highlights the journey part of it. And then we have to explain, and it also incorporates the places where they camped. Well, you're primarily here talking about the camp here, the camp there, the camp in the next place. So really the introductory explanation, expression should have been, here are the places the Jews camped in the desert. Here's another possible answer. What's the goal of this journey? It's one long journey that includes stops along the way, but really it's one long journey to Eretz Yisrael, right? Isn't maybe that the reason why it's called Enemase? All of the times that the Torah describes, they traveled and they camped. It was all with one intention. To get to Eretz Yisrael. The goal of each of the stops was not that particular stop. That's just part of the detail of how you get from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael. Now with that in mind, we could understand why even the places they camped would actually be called the journey or journeys. Because not one of those stops was actually valuable and a purpose in its own right. It was just pause so that they would have the wherewithal to be able to continue, as Rashi said, that from the encampment they were then able to continue their journey. In the direction of Eretz Yisrael. And that's the purpose. It's one long journey. Even the stops are part of the journey. Great answer. Except that would explain Masa in singular, not in the plural. And the fact that each journey is actually highlighted and looked at as independent. It's still not clear. The fact that the Torah uses the word Masa in the, in the plural, move on, it's understood, that the intention of this passage or these psukim is not to emphasize a common thread that runs through all of the journeys. They are all the process of getting to Eretz Yisrael. That all of these are just details of one long journey from Egypt to Eretz Yisrael. That's not what it's highlighting. The fact that the Torah says in the plural is because the Torah wants to emphasize that there's something unique about each of those journeys, which distinguishes each one from the other 41 types of journeys. 
Okay, Peter Rashi be Mashmois Masel Lishen Rabim. Rashi even alludes to this when he speaks about the word Masse in the plural by saying, Kan Yoshanu, that it's like this Moshal of a king who's reviewing a journey he went on with his son, and he says, This is where we slept, Kan Hekarnu Chole, this is where we cooled off. In other words, different journeys have different stories and messages and content. And obviously what distinguishes one journey from the next is not the travel, but the destination. Because the travel is travel. No matter where you're going, it's the same process of traveling. We're back to square one. Why does the Torah emphasize these are the journeys instead of emphasizing these are the stops and encampments along the way? To understand that, we're going to call on a very well-known explanation of the Baal Shem Tov, that this whole concept of the journeys in the desert is a reflection of the journeys that we go through in life. The Baal Shem Tov explains, All 42 journeys recorded in the Torah play out in our spiritual journey as well, through the course of a lifetime. It starts with the Exodus, which is Leida Adam, birth, and then through the course of a person's life, there are all the other journeys, until the person reaches the border of eternal life, which of course is represented by the Yarden at the end of the 40 years. One example the Baal Shem Tov uses, that one of the places where the Jewish people stopped in the desert was the place where those who had temptation or desire for physical pleasures, for meat, were buried says the Baal Shem Tov, there's a deeper and positive message in that. Kibra Sataiva actually refers to a person attaining the level of true wisdom. There the Pasuk says, was a place where they buried those who had the great desires. Says the Baal Shem Tov, that means that if a person achieves a real state of meaningful wisdom, then the person will lose any sense of physical desire because they'll be so close and connected to Hashem that physical issues will, not, will no longer be an attraction for them. And then using that example, the Baal Shem Tov continues to say, that every one of these 42 journeys actually represent very holy and pure states of being. Even though some of the journeys are clearly incidents where the Jewish people went against Hashem's will. Nevertheless, the Baal Shem Tov says what each of these journeys represents is something very high, elevated, holy and pure. Like the example that the Baal Shem Tov gave, which in the practical story of the Exodus is a poor chapter of the story. There were Jews who were buried, who died because they had inappropriate desires. And yet the Baal Shem Tov said it represents a person who's reached such a level of connection to Hashem that their desires have died. And the way that the Baal Shem Tov describes it, it's not only that there is practically no desire for inappropriate things, but the desires have been buried six feet under, which means the person is in no way susceptible to these kinds of inappropriate desires. According to the way that the Baal Shem Tov has explained it, that each one of the 42 stages represents a development, a spiritual development in a person's life, it only strengthens our original question, why does the Torah emphasize the journeys? With the Baal Shem Tov's explanation, the Torah certainly should have 
highlighted each of the 42 stations because they all represent development in a person's spiritual growth. Each represents a and an, an increasingly greater level of spirituality. That a person is supposed to achieve and reach through the different journeys and personal development in the course of a person's life. So why are we focusing on the word Masay? Well, it goes to a very broad principle in Judaism, which is the difference between being static and being dynamic in our spirituality. The ideal state of a person is that a person should always be moving and a person should always be dynamic and progressing. Chassidus explains in detail the difference between being static and being dynamic when it comes to, to serve Hashem. Being static means that a person lives in one reality. Which means that the person could still be growing and developing and achieving higher levels, but all of that growth is within a certain reality. It's all relative to where the person was previously. So when the person reaches their new level, it is linked to, comparable to, relative to where they were before. If that's the case, the person has never really left the previous platform that they were on. So that's not being in a truly dynamic spiritual growth place. Because it's all linked, it's movement, but all in one reality. The person never breaks out of the parameters of that reality. Whereas Hilch Lamitosa, to be truly dynamic and to move, Hainu Hilch Valiash Loiberech is where a person is able to progress in an exponential way. Where a person is able to catapult themselves to a new state of spiritual development that is so profound that it is in no way related to where they were previously. It's a leap, it's a quantum development. The Rebbe will give us two primary examples. Firstly, you could have you could have a whole bunch of students who all are in a hierarchy of different levels of knowledge and development. But they're all in the same class. They all belong to the same yeshiva. They're all in the same realm. Or you can get shaloi beirach. You can get growth where the person is in a completely different level. Somebody who was a student and now becomes a teacher, now becomes a dayan. They are no longer in the same class as all of the other students. And in that case, we'll say <coughs> that there might be many, many, many levels, but the fact is the person has now leapt to an exponential state compared to where they were. Here's another example. We describe that in the broader sense of Eretz Yisrael, there are 10 levels of Kedusha, Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim, Harabayas, etc. So it's increasing levels of Kedusha, but they're all in the same reality. Kedusha as, is, as it is experienced in the physical world with impact on how you behave and what kind of level of purity you have to be in in order to enter those places. And then there's Shaloi Be'erich, then there's a completely different it's a, in a class of its own kind of purity, and that's Ali Le Ganeiden, where the Neshama is elevated to Ganeiden. So it's now no longer in the realm of the, the physical at all. And of course, Ganeiden itself has many, many, many levels. But the point is that you can get many levels in one framework, and then you skip to a completely different framework. That's called Halicha, that is Aliyah Be'in Aroich. 
That's why the Torah tells us these are the journeys that Ramiz al Hadgash wants to allude to and to emphasize for us. That the objective is never to say, I reach a plateau. I get to a certain point now, I can camp here. This is me. This is what I've developed to. This is what I've grown to. That's not good enough. A person's growth and elevation has to be such. That my next objective has to be so much beyond the previous objective, it is considered no longer relative. It is considered I've broken a mold. I've jumped exponentially. That's what we call real movement from strength to strength. We'll actually see that in the wording specifically because there are two parts of a journey. Let's take it deeper. When we're talking about true growth, which is where a person moves to an exponential stage, there are two things that constitute that growth. Number one, you have to completely remove yourself from where you were previously so that you're not stuck in that relativity. And then, you then also have to reach the much higher level. That's the difference between saying hiluch, which means progress and movement, and nasia, which means a journey. Because if I'm using the word hiluch, I'm talking specifically about the movement towards the goal, towards the objective. Now, moving towards an objective is actually not the key to an exponential growth. The word nesia emphasizes leaving the previous place, which is the key to exponential growth. I have to completely shed the persona I was before in order to have this quantum leap into who I could become now. So let's see in the Psukim we see Vayusumi. They traveled from Kilshena Kosim Nisov and Elcha. All of those examples are words which emphasize moving away from a particular place because that's what Nasir implies, moving away from a particular place. That's why we find in many Psukim that the word Nasa has implied in it the concept of being uprooted, ripping yourself out of a previous reality. You even find this in the Talmud Yerushalmi. Instead of using what we normally use in Talmud Bavli and in Halacha, the concept of Hesachadas being distracted from a concept, the Yerushalmi uses the expression of journeying your mind away from a particular focus. And we do know that that's what Hesachadas means, that a person is completely pulled away from what they're supposed to be focused on. He has even a practical application of it. says that Hesachadas, which is a problem because you're supposed to be conscious of the fact that you're wearing tefillin, and if you become totally distracted, it's problematic. So what is totally distracted? He says, for example, joking around or behaving in a light-headed fashion. But says if a person is still in a state of awe of Hashem, even though the person is doing their own personal things, even if they're not actually thinking about tefillin, it's not considered being ripped away from the consciousness of tefillin because the person is still in a headspace of yira, of awe of Hashem. As long as the person is in that 
or headspace, even if he's not consciously thinking about tefillin, the person has not yet completely removed themselves from the focus and purpose of what tefillin is all about. What is the purpose of tefillin? The purpose of tefillin is to subjugate our mind and heart towards Hashem. So this person is in a state of Yiras Hashem, so their mind is subjugated. Whereas if the person was in a state of joking around or being light-headed, which obviously is opposite to the purpose of tefillin, that's when a person would be considered to be, so to speak, ripped away from the tefillin, that's called hesachadas. So hesachadas means that the mind is completely totally focused away from where it is meant to be. As we mentioned, the Yerushalmi calls this because that's what the word Nasiya means, leaving a place, moving away from an objective or a, an anchor or a plateau. So, and that's exactly what the Pasuk wants us to know when it talks about the journeys that the Jewish people took and its journeys in the plurals. In the plural, why in the plural? Very famous vort of the Alter Rebbe because it's an ongoing process of leaving Mitzrayim. The Alter Rebbe famously asks, Surely the very first journey where the Jewish people went from Ramses to Sukkot, they were outside of Eretz Yisrael. How do you call it? How do you call it journeys in the plural to get out of Mitzrayim? It's one journey that takes you out of Mitzrayim. Because the word Mitzrayim is not just a geographical location, but it actually talks about something which is limiting. As long as the Jewish people have not yet reached the level represented by being at the edge of the Jordan River, the people are still in Mitzrayim, they're still in a finite, limiting state of being. So they haven't yet totally detached from Mitzrayim. They still are in a relative movement away from Mitzrayim, but not in an absolute movement away from Mitzrayim. And yet, the Alter Rebbe says that each stage of the process of the, 42 gen- uh, of the 42 journeys is actually breaking away from some element of what was originally Mitzrayim. Which is why it's in the plural that there are journeys. The purpose of all of those journeys is to completely rip ourselves out of the psychology of what was Mitzrayim. The stops along the way which indicate now you've reached platform A of spiritual development and now you've reached platform B 42 times over. That not one of those platforms is the full escape from Mitzrayim, the full detachment from Mitzrayim. Every stage that a person reaches becomes their new limitation, their new ceiling, and now they have to break free of that. Because a person never wants to be trapped and held by the limitations, by the finitude of any stage of their development, even if it's 
positive holy development. The objective of being a human, a Jewish person, is to never be static in a particular level. As Rashi said before, why do you stop? So that you can regenerate, so that you can travel again, so that you can reach this point of a true set of journeys that completely removes you from Eretz, Yisrael, uh, from Eretz Mitzrayim. So what are we learning over here? The Torah wants to emphasize not the achievements that we reach, but rather the emphasis on the fact that we have to constantly grow and grow in such a dramatic way that we totally shed what previously was considered to be an achievement and now actually turns into our Mitzrayim. So far we've spoken about it in a personal sense. We can now broaden it to speak across the whole of history. We do know that also these 42 journeys through the desert do represent the experience of the Jews in when we as a Jewish nation are in this great desert, so to speak, of the other nations. So the principle of being, every time you stop at a place in the desert, it's like being held back in a stage of Golos. Especially in the language of the Medjush Tanchuma that says that there were certain places along the way where they angered Hashem. That definitely indicates that we've been dragged down into Golos. Now, if you're dragged down into a negative space, you would not imagine that that's part of the masse of the journey and exponential growth journey. Despite the fact that we are also describing states of spiritual collapse that we as a Jewish nation have experienced, Golos, still that's also considered part of the Masse, these grand journeys. How so? The only reason and purpose behind Golos is because it will be a catalyst for tremendous elevation and growth afterwards. As we say, that the descent is for the purpose of a far superior ascent. In fact, it's because of those difficulties, that's what stimulates the great growth, development and, and, and elevation. Having gone through a descent, that catapults us to a level which is way greater than we were before we had the collapse. Like the principle of greater light that emerges once you've been through darkness. So now, now what we're seeing is that every single step of Golos, with all its drama, with all its difficulty, with all of its spiritual collapse, is there in order to get us to Yad and Yerecho, which is Bechina Sareach, it alludes to the sense of smell, which is Gilei HaMashiach, a sign of Mashiach, Shia Vazaisi Bachenemu, Merach Vedoin. That Mashiach's unique talent is the capacity to smell who is justified in a particular scenario, in a court case. In fact, that's how you test Mashiach. We know this from the story of Bar Kochba. This is such an encouraging message for us because even if we have failed in an area of our spirituality, we should not be despondent because of it. Person has to realize if there's a yerida, if there's a slump, it is only in order to facilitate, to motivate a greater rebound that follows it. Any time that a person faces their own failure, they have to see it only as an opportunity for greater growth and for the tremendous power that is embedded in Shema. 
Therefore, even those bad moments of the journey are also called Masse. Because even though outwardly it's a story of failure, the depth within that story of failure is the opportunity for far greater growth, exponential growth, which is what Masei is all about. And that's why we read this parasha at this time of the year. That's the link between Masei and the time of year when it is read, which is generally in the three-week period of mourning, specifically just before because the content of this parasha is an encouragement to the Jewish people at such a dark and difficult time time. Now that we enter this period of the three weeks of mourning and specifically the intense nine days from Rosh Chodesh until Tisha B'Av, which is all about reminding us about how bad things are and how tremendously low we have dropped through Golos. The message is we are not allowed to permit ourselves to be depressed because of the message of the goddess and how difficult it is. We have to recognize that the only reason that there is goddess is to allow ourselves to change ourselves and to completely transform ourselves. Be his to transform the negative of the darkness into positive and light, which in turn will elicit Hashem's bracha of transforming these days into times of simcha. Our focus has to be that all of the difficulties we're facing should be transformed into opportunities for growth, exponential growth and journeying. So this is a time of the year where we have to add more enthusiasm, more light, light is specifically through Torah learning, so that we can illuminate this dark and difficult time and illustrate how it's actually a time of growth and tremendous journey until we reach the ultimate journey, which is the time when these days will be transformed transformed into days of joy and yomtiv, which should happen mamish immediately.